Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, sorry, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of God. Well, great to be with you all again this morning. I love this time of year. I love the window of opportunity it provides uh, to reassess, to review, and to resolve. Now, even though nothing really changes between December 31 and January 1, a new year seems to allow us the ability to leave behind the previous year, perhaps some baggage, some difficulties of that previous year, and turn over a new leaf, start a new chapter, if you like. The start of a new year is certainly a time where we might be thinking about intentionally making some changes. This is certainly true for Bronnie and I. When we were in Canberra, we watched that sugar film and have been relentlessly cutting sugar from our diet. I've gone 10 days without ice cream, and if you don't know me, like, I love ice cream, and that's just a massive achievement. And uh, I, I will certainly partake in this delight again, uh, but hopefully it'll become a sometimes food, not an every single night food, which it has been for most of my life. Um, you know, yesterday, just for fun, we looked at an open house that has a really big yard. It's out of our league, but at this beginning time of the year, we do think, don't we, about change. What changes might we make at the start of this new chapter of the year? Now, what about you? What kind of changes have you been thinking about, if any? I know the Kelmans are gearing up for a big change with the expectant arrival of their third child later this year, and we want to congratulate them on that great news. Uh, but there are others here this morning who no doubt have been considering changes in their own lives. Change. Marketing and advertising is largely based around an assumption that people want to change. There is a presumption that what you have isn't quite enough, or that you need the newest, the latest gadget. 
And so we are bombarded with this sense of dissatisfaction that we need something more to change. Isn't that right? And there is that desire that we have for life to be better, better health, better finances, more contentment in work. We do desire change. Whether we like it or not, change is something that we will all experience right throughout our lives. There are changes that happen to us. For example, our physical body changes. We grow or lose hair. We gain or or lose weight. Our feelings and emotions are constantly changing. Some days we feel fantastic. Other days we really struggle and we feel depressed. Our perspective and values change. The birth of a child or a new career or maybe moving or maybe experiencing a traumatic event will change our perspective, maybe change our values. There are other changes that occur around us, including the changing seasons, a change in government, change in fashion and styles. Change can be neutral and not have any significant effect on us, but also change can be very good or perhaps not so good for us. I think, as I said, on one hand, we long for change, we long for things to be new, to be fresh, to be repaired, restored, renewed. I think this is actually something that God places within the heart of humanity. We live in a broken world and we were created for wholeness, for fullness. We don't always experience that. But change can also be very challenging, can't it? Because it pushes us outside of our comfort zone. So as human creatures, we live in this dichotomy of, in one sense, wanting to change, but in another sense, resisting change because it moves us into unknown territory. This morning, however, I want to talk about a different kind of change. The kind of change that occurs when a person encounters the one who doesn't change. The story of Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree is probably most familiar to many of us from our Sunday school days. It is a well-loved story about a short man who climbs a tree to see Jesus because of the large crowd in which he found himself. To best understand this account, we need to understand the context and theme of Luke's gospel. The story of Zacchaeus, which is found in Luke 19, is a portion of Luke's gospel that is devoted to Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And Luke devotes a large portion from chapter 951 through to 1944 to this journey. And just as we might set out for a holiday destination, so too Jesus knew where he was going. Of course, his destination, however, wouldn't be a sunny beach, but a wooden cross. If Jesus had a GPS, he wouldn't have chosen the quickest route. Rather, he would have chosen the longest route, not because he was avoiding the cross, but because he wanted to take as many opportunities as he could to minister to people, to share God's love and God's grace. For Jesus, ministry was not an event. It was a way of life. And the majority of Jesus' ministry occurred on the road, on the way, 
on the journey. He was not rushed. He was purposefully going somewhere. But people and relationships were not obstacles to be avoided, but rather opportunity to touch hearts and lives with his love and his truth and his grace. Jesus was not only on a path to Jerusalem, he was also on a mission to save the lost. Now, two of Luke's major themes throughout his gospel are salvation as well as wealth and possessions. And in the story of Zacchaeus, we see these two themes collide. The story of Zacchaeus stands in stark contrast to the interaction Jesus has had with the rich young ruler in the previous chapter. And so when the reader comes to the story of Zacchaeus, they are already aware of the difficulty a wealthy person is going to encounter in receiving Christ. The rich young ruler in chapter 18 is an example of how not to respond to Jesus. Conversely, Zacchaeus models somewhat of a textbook response to Christ. Gratitude, thankfulness, repentance, and a willingness to change. Luke tells us that Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, passes through Jericho. As a kid, I used to love collecting sports cards, cricket or football cards, was a great hobby of mine. And on the front, there'd be a photo of the player. And on the back, there'd be a bit of a profile of that player. And what we see here in verse 2 is like a profile of Zacchaeus. And we learn that we learn his name, which means righteous one. And we also learn that he is a chief tax collector. He would have been in the service of the government or foreign bankers who had brought the privilege of collecting taxes And he stood at the very top of the collection pyramid, taking a cut of the commission from those who had collected taxes from him. Tax collectors were despised for two reasons. Firstly, they were seen to be collaborators with the Romans and considered unclean due to their contact with Gentiles. And secondly, they were renowned for their dishonesty. We also read that he was wealthy, In verses 3 to 4, we also learn that he was short and he was non-conforming. He was willing to forego social customs. He ran, which was very uncommon for men to run in in the East, especially a wealthy government official. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And this wasn't just an incidental encounter either. We are told that because... He was a short man, and there was a large crowd. He ran ahead and found a tree that he could climb so that he could best position himself to see Jesus. The large crowd and his physical stature presented Zacchaeus with an obstacle. But with a keen sense of urgency, he found a way to overcome his obstacle and see Jesus. This makes me wonder, what kind of obstacles or limitations might be in our way from seeing Jesus. Like Zacchaeus, we need to be resourceful and find ways to see Jesus because there will always be a way. 
People wanted to see Jesus. Wherever he went, he always seemed to draw a crowd. For some, I'm sure it was his miracles. The opportunity to see Jesus heal someone would have definitely been a motive for some. For many, perhaps it was the crowd that Jesus drew. You know, crowds draw crowds. Perhaps for others, maybe even for Zacchaeus, he wanted to see the look of Jesus. A look that I can only imagine is a look of great love and validation. I've never physically looked at Jesus face to face, but many times I've experienced a sense of Jesus looking at me, and all I see in his eyes is a deep love. And I see someone who knows me more intimately than anybody else who knows all of my flaws and still accepts me for who I am. Perhaps Zacchaeus desired that look. Now, what's quite amazing about this passage is that there is a large crowd and a small man in a tree. And you would think that perhaps Jesus would pass by Zacchaeus and not necessarily see him. But we are told that Jesus saw him. You know, Zacchaeus probably intended to remain hidden. He just wanted to get a look of what was happening. But Jesus spotted him and called him down. How did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Well, Psalm 139 tells us about a God who knows us intimately, who knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows our deepest needs. He knows what our souls long for. He knows each of our hopes and dreams and desires, perhaps ones we're not even conscious of. Just as Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, he also knows your name. You're no stranger to God. You're no stranger to Jesus. Your life matters deeply to him. To think that God, the creator and sustainer of life and the whole world, knows each of our names and our hopes and our dreams and our desires and our hurts is quite a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? Jesus not only looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name, but he wanted to stay at his house. The sense of urgency in Jesus' statement to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, highlights Jesus' heightened desire to bring salvation to this man who he knew would respond to him. Zacchaeus neither hesitated nor delayed. He responded with the same level of urgency to which Jesus called him by coming down at once and warmly welcoming Jesus into his heart and into his home. Zacchaeus thought that he was seeking Jesus. What was really happening here was that Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. The gospel is all grace. The gospel is always God's initiative. Salvation in Christ is not about our seeking God. It is all about God seeking 
us. Zacchaeus was short, and in a spiritual sense, we too are short in comparison to Jesus. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Nobody measures up to God's holy standards. We are all too short to enter into heaven on our own efforts. It's very easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking that we are bigger and better than what we actually are. Many of Jesus' parables illustrate how much God detests hypocrisy and pride. In contrast, he welcomes, he even praises sinners who have a very level estimation of themselves. You see, the more aware we are of our shortcomings and inadequacies, the more room there is for God to work. And what we see in Zacchaeus is 180 turnaround. While Zacchaeus was glad to welcome Jesus, in contrast, the grumbling crowd were anything but glad. In their eyes, Zacchaeus was a sinner, and Jesus should not be associating with such people. It was considered wicked to eat in the home of a person whose earnings were tainted. To stay in one's house was practically the same as sharing in their sin. The common practice these days was to shun the unrighteous in order to deter them from their behavior. Jesus' approach was entirely different. As he demonstrates continually in his ministry, it is love, not rejection, that transforms people. In a rather spontaneous manner, Zacchaeus makes a public pledge to start a new life. He vows to give half of his possessions to the poor and repay anyone he had cheated fourfold. What a turnaround, what a transformation, what a change. In choosing to act and make amends for his cunning and partly ill-gained wealth, Zacchaeus demonstrates genuine repentance. It is interesting that nothing prompted this repentance except for Jesus' acceptance of him. Jesus didn't condemn him for what he had done. He loved him. And I've always had a sense, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's message, I think deep down people want to change. People want to grow. They want to pursue what is right. But many of us get so far off track and we lose our way. The last thing we need is for someone to wag the finger and tell us we're wrong. We need someone to show us love and acceptance and grace, help us find the way back. This is exactly the approach that Jesus takes to his ministry. Change always follows mercy. In Zacchaeus's changed heart, love for God expresses itself in love for others, which is exactly God's desire for each of us, that our love for him would reflect in our love for others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's a wonderful little gospel encounter right here in this Sunday school story. Jesus declares that salvation has come to this man's life, referring to him as a son of Adam, which means a son of faith. And while Zacchaeus responded to the Lord with a commitment to serve the poor and repay those whom he had cheated, he was not saved because he promised to do good works. He was saved because he responded in faith to Christ's mercy for him. The final pronouncement of Jesus, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, could be an isolated saying. It's like a mission statement of Jesus's. This is my purpose. This is why I'm here. I'm here to seek and save the lost. It does, however, suit the context perfectly. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus, for this was the very purpose to which Jesus came. Zacchaeus provides us with a model of how we ought to respond to the gospel of grace in Jesus. After recognizing his failures, he not only confesses them publicly, but seeks to make appropriate restitution for the wrong he has done. Moreover, he embarks on a more generous and giving life. Has your experience of Jesus produced change within you? Does it continue to produce change within you? The gospel is always calling us to change and become more and more Christ-like. In a room with this many people here this morning, there will undoubtedly be varying levels of application to this story. In closing, let me offer at least two possible outcomes that might strike a chord with you. Firstly, respond to Jesus. Would you like to look into the eyes of love, have your sins forgiven, be completely validated as a person of great worth and significance by your Maker? and experience the abundant life that Jesus offers and the security that comes from knowing that your eternal destiny is sealed. Perhaps in your heart of hearts, you've considered this many times, but never actually put your faith or your trust in Jesus. You feel as though there have been a variety of obstacles in your way from responding to Jesus. Perhaps This morning, the very fact that you're here has become your tree that you have climbed that has enabled you to see Jesus and to realize that he knows your name and he's calling you and is inviting you to welcome him as he desires to welcome you. Would you open your heart and your home to Jesus? For those who have responded to Jesus... Perhaps the application from today's story is to learn to respond like Jesus. The way Jesus treated Zacchaeus is a model for all who consider themselves followers of Christ. Unlike the religious leaders of the day who would have judged, condemned, and looked down upon a man like Zacchaeus, Jesus simply looked at him and loved him. The people saw a scoundrel. 
Jesus saw a son of God. A man, a person created in the image of God. People don't need another Christian to tell them what they are doing is wrong. What we need is someone to look at us through the eyes of mercy, compassion and grace and show us that there is a God who deeply loves us, who cares for us, who longs to be in a relationship with us. Jesus didn't wait until the likes of Zacchaeus stepped into a temple. He ministered to him on the road. The church must become the means for restoring the lost and the rejected by seeking them out, not by remaining isolated from them. This is a challenge, isn't it? Now, it's easy to criticise the church, which we are all guilty of. And whilst the church is certainly deserving of criticism for some of its actions or non-action, the church also has incredible opportunity to be a change agent for good within its community and sphere of influence. But this will only begin to happen if, like Jesus, people like you and I in the church start to look at people like Zacchaeus, not with condemnation and judgment, but with love and mercy and grace. The church is not a building, an institution or an organisation. The church is people, people like you and I. So may we embrace the change that God has in store for us this year, becoming the people that he desires us to be, people who are growing more and more Christ-like, people who are becoming their true selves, people who are becoming the self that God created them to be. And may we do this for our own sakes, but may we also do it for the sakes of others who don't yet know Jesus, that they might see him shining brighter and brighter in our lives and be drawn to him. May we kind of seek the change that leads to a new way of living, a generous way of living, a Jesus way of living, just like Zacchaeus did. God bless you as you commence this new year. Let us pray. Jesus, we just want to thank you this morning for your incredible love for each person. And Lord, as we've spoken of this morning in this story in Luke's gospel, we just see the story of one person, Lord, one in a huge crowd, and yet you sought him out. You identified him as somebody who desired change. He knew that deep in their spirit, the way that they were living was not the way that they were designed to live. And Father, for those of us who have responded to you, we just thank you that you, by your Holy Spirit, have and continue to change us into the people you've created us to be. And I pray that you would continue that process that we might find deep fulfillment in living in Christ. Jesus, for those who have not yet come to experience your incredible love and acceptance and grace and begin that journey of becoming the person that you desire them to be, the person that deep down they desire to be. 
We just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each person's heart and life. And we pray for those whom we will encounter today, this very week. We pray for the Zacchaeuses, Lord, that we might be able to respond to them with love, with grace and with mercy. See people coming into your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we just offer ourselves to you at this new, the start of a new year. Pray that you might change us for your kingdoms and for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.